wrote on the calendar in the uh, fellowship hall. Uh, the, it's a calendar of events. If you have a if you have a, um, a baby shower coming up or something, it's on that calendar. If you want to rent out, or not rent out, we don't rent it out. If you want to use the multipurpose room to practice lassoing a bull, then you have to write it on the calendar. That calendar is set in stone. Um, it's important. Now, I wrote Sleepy Sunday on that calendar. It's always a Sunday right after a great giveaway. Those of you who worked at the great giveaway, uh, you can sleep during the sermon. It's just a free little gift we give you. So if you helped during the great giveaway, lay down, make your neighbors uncomfortable, and I'll try to be as soothing as possible. Um, <laughs> I have fallen asleep while someone was speaking. Uh, it wasn't a preacher, it was a nurse in the hospital room after we after we we had Clara she was she was a um a consultant i think a lactation consultant i have no idea what that means but she was telling us a lot of she was telling us stuff but she had she had the most soothing voice i've ever heard of she was just she said like all right well the next thing you're going to need to do is and I fell asleep while she was talking to me. Not while she was talking, while she was looking me in the eyes. I just went asleep. Woke up and she was gone. I don't know what, that has nothing to do with anything. You can sleep during the sermon, that's all I care, all I care to say. Well, we have, um, we have a, we have a lot of um, clothes in there, Um, if you wanted to, go through some of that, you can. Um, if, if you want to start donating to the great giveaway for next year, wait. Wait. Simmer down. Um, we, are, we are having, we just, just tap the brakes, we still have a lot that we need to um, dispense and to, to give to other people. Um, but really, uh, I, I want to I correct a couple, not correct, but um, uh, explain a couple of things. If, if you're new to our church and you've heard us use the word church fairies a couple of times without explaining it, um, I would like to say that's not what we call our deacons. <laughs> Those are, there's four, four ladies, um, Maurice Geiger, Joyce Womack, Helen Smith, and, and Fran. Uh, we just call her Fran. Uh, Fran Harmon has a, we all have, they... they Come up here, and I would say work tirelessly, but that would not include their card games. Um, but they work, they do stuff like the stuff that you think, what happens, how does church happen, how does, how does that stuff get replaced, or how do, they just, they do it, they just, they just do it. Um, and um, we would like to, um, we, we just, we honor them, we've already applauded for them once, don't do it again, don't do, okay, you can do it again. We're proud of them. They work hard, um, and a lot of times, uh, I, I am I am their their back. If they need a back to unload a car, they come get me out of my office. But I'm always glad to do it because they're always in there working so very hard. Um, there are things God tells us to do that we're not always happy with, not always comfortable with, not always 
not always something we want to do. And I think what we're going to talk about this morning is particularly difficult for us. Because as Westerners, as uh, we, we, we get what we want usually when we get it. Like when we want it. Right, right when we want it, we can just go get it. Um, if, if you want something uh, cooked, you can, you can cook a potato in six minutes in a box, a magic box in your house. You can, you, you can go to the store and just get just about anything you please. If you want it right now, you can get it right now. There's this, there's this passage in Acts that, that, that bumps up against this mentality or this, um, this pattern, this thing we're used to. Um, and I don't even know if we pay attention, but watch, watch what happens here in Acts. This is after Jesus is resurrected. This is the book, beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, um, wrote also the Acts, or Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Um, we just call it Acts. Um, and he says here, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The former book he's talking about is Luke. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So a period of 40 days, Jesus was alive and with his disciples. And he told them all sorts of things and just had to prove to them that they were alive. And sometimes we get all high and mighty and say, well, why don't you just trust them, disciples? Well, he was dead and then he got up and wasn't dead anymore. You probably need a couple of proofs, I would, I would imagine. And so we shouldn't be all that hard on the disciples. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. There's coming a gift to you, and I want you to go into Jerusalem and wait on it. Wait on what I'm going to do. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's coming. All right. We know this happens in the next chapter. We know this happens. In Acts 2, the, the Holy Spirit comes on them and they speak and, they, and Peter addresses the crowd. And, and everyone there heard what the disciples were saying in their own dialect. It was this weird miracle where people from, from Mineral Springs and people from Benjamin were hearing things in the same dialect. I don't know if those are different. I'm assuming they are. And so they, they one voice, many languages. And there was this beautiful miracle, and it was on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover. So remember, how long did he stay with them? 40. 10 days. I think sometimes we get caught up in the story of the Bible and we think that it happened like, like that. Just one thing after another, after another. And we just get to... But there are times in Scripture where they were in captivity. The Israelites were in captivity for, for a century. 
and they were waiting on God to do something. The difference between chapter 1 and chapter 2 is 10 days. But it just, for us, we just, Jesus goes into the heaven and then goes into heaven and then all of a sudden Pentecost is here. 10 days. 10 days. They waited. He says, go into Jerusalem. Do not leave and here's your command. Wait. Wait on what God is going to do. We are very bad at this. We're just not good at it. We're not good at waiting. We're not good at letting God work in a situation. God, can you fix this? Now, the reason we're not all that good at it is because our understanding of story happens in about a 90-minute time frame. And the more and more we rely on TV shows for our entertainment, it's just 22 minutes. 49, if you're watching an hour-long show, we just skip through the commercials. Notice again, quickly, get me my entertainment. I don't have time to wait. I don't have time for commercials. But the way we understand stories, it... it, 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 it works up there's a problem and then the problem gets hectic and we don't know when it's going to solve and all of a sudden whoo and that the story climaxes and the problem is resolved the climax of the story happens immediately and life just doesn't work that way your marriage just won't get better overnight your your life just won't improve immediately your commitment to Jesus won't just all of them automatically jump out and you'll just be a changed person immediately. Life takes time. Change takes time. If God is working in us and with us and through us, what we will find is that it's not a magic trick. It's not some sort of powerful wizard, wizardry that comes upon us and all of a sudden we're different. You will be different, but it will take time. God will work, but God's timing is different from our timing. We always quote the verse and say, well, a, a day to God is like a thousand years to man. You know the rest of that says, and a thousand years to man is like a day to God? Or a thousand years to God is like a day to man? It's, what, he's, not, he's not giving a math equation. He's... The, the, Jesus said, God, time isn't important to God's plan. What God's got going on. So God is working. God is moving. God is active. And God is, God, God's mission is that His kingdom be pushed into the world. That the good news of Jesus be shared with those in the world and, and that we are changed and affected and moved by what God is doing with us. But it's not going to be quickly sometimes. Sometimes it takes time. Actually, most of the time it takes time. And we have got to be better at waiting. We talked about marriage last week, but I want to I just throw this in real quick. Uh, one of the things I see whenever I counsel couples is um, 
and, and it's one of those just red flags that, that you might see it in your relationship, but you want your relationship to be better. And then what I see is sometimes one, um, either the husband or the wife, or usually it's both, they want it to be better, but they want it to be better right now. And that's not possible. It's just not possible. Your marriage is right now what it is right now. But it will be what you work on it to be. See, when we want things to be better right now, we will always be disappointed. And especially in marriages, whenever you're disappointed, guess who you're disappointed in? Life, marriage, improvement, following Jesus takes time. And sometimes we just have to, we, have, we, just rec- we need to recognize that period of time and say, we're going to have to wait through some mess, some painful conversations. We're going to have to wait until God is done with us. But God doesn't work magically in your life. He works effectively. And sometimes that takes time. And it's one of our biggest struggles, though, is waiting. One of the things we do while we're waiting is we try to come up with solutions on our own that fail. The reason they fail is because when we are left to our own devices, we worship our own devices. When we are left to just what it is that we can do, you know, what it is, let me just do the best I can here, and there's nobody, we don't let God work at all, we will worship the thing that got us there. And this can be very nuanced because... I have at times, and maybe you've, you have at times done this, and maybe you know people who have done this, but don't think about them. We're not here to judge other people. But maybe you've worshipped the Bible instead of the one the Bible tells you about. You see that that could be a danger? Like, well, quick, I've got to, I've got to scan the pages of the Bible for, for a fix, a solution to my problem. Well, the Bible points to the solution to your problem, and sometimes that solution takes time. You have to wait it out. We'll worship other things that are bringing us these quick fixes, these quick solutions. It's hard to worship the one you're waiting on. Let me tell you about um, this guy named Habakkuk. I get really nervous when I'm talking about Habakkuk. Because none of you care about Habakkuk. It's just true. We can let that tension resolve between us. I bring up Habakkuk. I get really excited about Habakkuk. You don't care. That's fine. I want to acknowledge that. You should, and I, I want you just to pretend to care for just a bit. 
Because Habakkuk is one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. His story, not his story, but what he does in his ministry, in, his, in, in the book of Habakkuk is, I think you can connect with it. Habakkuk starts out with Habakkuk frustrated with God. He's frustrated with God because he's standing on a watchtower, the city of Jerusalem, and he's looking out and he can see the Babylonians making their way to Jerusalem. And he says to God, God, why are you letting them do this? How long, O Lord, must we suffer at the hands of these ridiculous people? Yes, I know that we've, that we've failed you, God. But you're going to send the worst people on the planet to come destroy this city. Now, you might not, you just can't sense the fear. The Assyrian government, the Assyrian kingdom, had been ruling the world. The Assyrians and the Egyptians had been ruling the world for a long time. And these, these, this one group of people, the Babylonians, stand up to them. And Assyria and Egypt combine forces, which is crazy. They never would do that. Assyria and Egypt combine forces and go... Um, stand siege against the main city there of the Babylonians, and they withstood it. The Babylonians didn't give in. And then the Babylonians marched out with the prince Nebuchadnezzar and wiped out the armies of the Assyrians, the most powerful people on earth, and the Egyptians, the second most powerful people on earth, just wiped them out. And now that same group of people are marching slowly toward little insignificant Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem for a long time had been allied with the Egyptians and the Assyrians against the Babylonians. And Israel, for a long time, for several years, could say, get them Assyria, get them Egypt. And all of a sudden, the Egyptian king walks slowly back to Egypt and leaves Jerusalem there just to be destroyed. And he says to God, what are you doing? Yes, we're evil, but these people, these people are worse. What are you going to do? Where's our help going to come from? And God says to Habakkuk, you're, you're going to see in your day something, God is going to do something that people wouldn't even believe if you told them. Now, it's funny that we always, we, that's like a scripture people put on plaques and hang on their walls. The rest of that passage is, the Babylonians are going to destroy your, your temple. It's not that encouraging of a passage. They're marching in 
on his watchtower and he sees them in the distance and he says, I, I, I can't, what are we going to do? And God finally in chapter 2 gives this message of hope saying you will be overcome but they will be ruined too. Because they don't trust in the right sorts of things. But if you continue to trust in God and wait this out, it will be okay. You know how old Habakkuk was whenever it was finally okay? Dead. He wasn't around. But the message was, God God says you will be okay because they rely on something that's that's crazy to rely on. I think we, we fall into that category. We rely on things that don't matter, things we've created. We print money, but yet we rely on it. Money can't solve your problems. It can give you a lot of problems. Money can't solve your problems. Esteem can't solve your problems. Popularity can't solve your problems. That next, that next layer in the tax bracket, that next job that you want, that next situation you want, that bigger house, that bigger truck. That oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Um, that next thing that maybe the Razorbacks winning won't solve your problem. It just won't. And it's crazy that the amount of of weight we give to things that don't love us back. This is what God says about the Babylonians in Habakkuk 2. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman? Or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. You build a thing and then you worship the thing that you created. God does this a lot. God uses this, uses this analogy in several prophets. He just says, isn't it ridiculous that you build something, you create something, and then you worship the thing you created? Isn't it odd that you aren't worshiping the creator instead of you're worshiping the created? You build a thing and then you think it's going to teach you something. You create a, a, a statue and then you think it's going to, and it's going to change you. So no, they, they can't even speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. There's no life in it. There's no life in the things that we worship. There's no life in the things when we're we're tired of waiting on God to change us. The things we rely on are idols. The things we worship aren't worth or worthy of our worship. We think they can help us. But money was printed. But it can't guide you. The only, the only thing that is worth your allegiance is the God who loves us so much that he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That God is the one who guides. That God is the one who, who allows us to be changed. And it will take time. But He's the only one who can change you. Those quick fixes... I've seen every magazine you see will say, how to, how to get fit fast. Not going to work. If it says fast, not going to work. How to get rich quick, not going to work. Quick doesn't work. Fast doesn't work. That, yeah, actually, the only way to get fit fast is get a Sharpie and draw abs on your stomach. That's the only way it's going to work which I've done, and it's, it's not as fulfilling as you'd think it would be. But don't, we think, well, just lean on something else. And it's not worth our time. It can't do it. It can't achieve it. It can't give us guidance. There is no breath in it. And then he says this, They worship that. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I'm going to say that one more time. There is... You know, it's for me, it's not that um, a phone ring, it's just most phone rings sound like ice cream trucks, and I get so distracted, because <laughs> we'll drop and go if there's an ice cream truck outside. <laughs> okay, so Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk has this, like this anxiety of what is going to happen. And his answer is not, well, it's going to be better. His answer is those people rely on worthless idols that can't give them item, uh, give them guidance. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is real and He's in His holy temple. And the earth should be silent before Him while He's doing His thing. God is doing His thing. And all the while we get nervous that His timing isn't going to be as quick as ours. So we get and we start doing our own thing. And we build up our own little little crafts and our own little things that we're going to worship. And we think those things are going to give us guidance. Those things are going to lead us down a true path. And all the world, all the while God is not saying, I'm in my holy temple. You get about your business. He's saying, keep silent. Be quiet. Hush. If the Lord is in his holy temple, he is the one who is ruling. God will win out. He will win out in your life. God will win out and conquer death. But you can't expect it to happen Today, some of the, in church, that's what happens. People get up, they get excited, they get convicted, they come forward, and we appreciate that. 
We think that's actually a great first step to changing your life, to repenting, to turning your life around. But when you come forward and you walk out that door and you're still the same person, it gets really frustrating. Because there was no magical thing we could say that would change how you live and how you act. But God will slowly work. And I think we need to be better at being silent before him. Just try this this week. A lot of times our prayers are um, just, Father, here's something about you and here's the things I need. You are holy, now here's what I want. They They can turn in sort of these wish lists. There's an ancient practice among Christians of being silent before God. Just be silent and be in the presence of God. Benjamin, that doesn't really sound like a Church of Christ thing to do. You're right. Do it. We're not very good at being silent. I don't think God's going to talk to you and you hear him, but I think you will have clarity of who's in charge. Just focus on the fact that God is in his holy temple. And beyond that, everything else, or from that, everything else can be affected, can be changed, can be sanctified, can be. Everything can be changed because God is present. And I think sometimes we're just too noisy, too busy, um, too talkative, too... We're so excited to teach other people. We're so... The Lord is in His holy temple. Be silent before Him. Just acknowledge that God is the one in control. And because He says so... I will wait. Because God says so, I will let him, I'll let God do the work on me that needs to be done. And I know it will take some time. So I will wait it out. And I'll let him, I'll let God be in control. You may have been spending your whole life trying to build your own little versions of things that will benefit you, that will make you feel better, that will give you guidance, and maybe those have failed you. Maybe you've thought, well, if I could just get a degree, or if I could just go to school, if I could just get this degree, then I'll be better off. Or if I could just get married and find the one, and... and, then then I'll be better off. Well, this isn't working out. Maybe we should have kids. And then the next, you're just looking for the next thing. Well, what if I get that promotion? Or what if I, what if I can finally retire? What if we could finally um, go, on, go on some exotic vacation? Or what, what, if, what, if, what if the next thing, the next thing, you're, you're just looking for something to worship. 
maybe you need to let all that stuff go away for a second. And know that the Lord is in His holy temple. And let us be silent before Him with you. Let us be silent together and know that God is working. God lets me work alongside Him because God loves me, not because God needs me. So you want to come change the world? Follow Jesus? Change your life. This is a great day to start. You are loved. You were di- Jesus died for you. He rose for you. You deserve or he he deserves your commitment. If you need to commit to Jesus today, if you need to be silent before the Lord this morning, if you need to just have pray for patience to wait on what it is that God is doing in your marriage, in your life, in your world. We want to be there for you. We want to pray for you. So come forward, go sideways, go backward. Whoever it is you need to come find and pray with, um, please do that while we stand and while we sing. Thank you.